If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of, uh, you know, a, a clown. Your show is better when you had medical questions. Hey! I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! Oh, third time's the charm. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who keeps the wacko alternative medicine weirdos at bay. Thank you, Dr. Scott. My pleasure, Dr. Steve. And we also have back from sabbatical, P.A. John, everybody. Hello, P.A. John. Hello, Steve. Uh, This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question, you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-TAKE-IT-JOHN. Poohhead. Oh, very good. Thank you, sir. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine and at DRScottWM. Visit our website at DrSteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly... We are not your medical providers. Take everything you with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. Hey, uh, yeah, you're here, John, and welcome back. Thanks. Um, because uh, last week we had some guy from Croatia call in and say, oh, I miss P.A. John. He was such a funny man. Yeah. I sent you that. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. So, you know, ask and ye shall receive. Here's P.A. John. We're going to talk a little bit about why he's no longer B.M. John, although I will warrant or I would argue that you still are B.M. John, but it's also now you're uh, getting back into uh, medicine. So that's a cool thing as well. Don't forget to check out stuff.drsteve.com for all of your Amazon needs. Um, you can go to that page and scroll down. It's got all the stuff that we talk about on this show. But also, you can just click through to Amazon. And when you do that, it still helps keep us on the air. So we appreciate that. Stuff.drsteve.com. Uh, if you want to lose weight with me, do noom.drsteve.com. N-O-O-M. It's, not an, it's an app. It's a psychology program. It's not a diet. It helps you change your relationship with food, and it's permanently changed my relationship with food for the better. And it also, because it's a psychology program, can help you in other aspects of your life as well, uh, where you can sort of take control of those. You get two weeks free. You get a counselor. You get a food log. You get uh, little mini modules that you do every single day. And if you decide to do it at the end of the two weeks, you get a 20% discount, and it's only a three-month program. It's not like certain ones that, well, one that rhymes with 
mate smaunchers that uh, where you have to kind of do it for <laughs> the rest of your life, you know, and there's points and all that. There's no points, none of that stuff. Check it out, noom.drsteve.com. And then uh, check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. So, um, yeah. So, P.A. John, good to see you, man. It's good to be here. It's been a long time. Yes, it we has We started been. this together 15 years ago. 16. Maybe what? almost 17. I think we're going on our Longer than that, yeah. 17th year. Well, right? Seven, yeah, 17. Because we started in 2004. We did our first show, I think, 2005. Wow. I know wow. the first the first time I came over. So 2005, 2000, let me do Howard Stern math. So 5 plus 5 is 10 <laughs> plus another 5 is 15. Oh, and then another 5 is 20. What the hell? That can't be right. We haven't been doing this 20, 20 years. That can't be right. No, 15. No, 17. And then 17, right? 17, plus 2. Yeah, because yeah, I had just gotten married when I first came over here. <laughs> doing Howard Stern math. Yeah. You ever heard him do math? No. It's pretty funny, actually. But... Um, I sometimes I wonder maybe he really doesn't know how to do math, but um, <laughs> it's been a long damn time since yes. we went to that first Opie and Anthony show, right? And they played your dicks all shit, my dicks all shitty from your asshole. You remember that? Right. Yeah. When they were getting ready to do Pat Duffy's uh, prostate exam, right? And I do a prostate exam on this um, uh, intern, right? And then the whole rest of the night, I'm like, the AMA is coming after me. They're coming after me. <laughs> if they hear this, they're coming after me. I, I made Sam make sure that because Sam Roberts was a little intern then. I said, please just don't get my face in here. Right. And if you remember, I was sitting there and they said, uh, you know, can you do a prostate exam? And said, like, yeah, but, you know, you need gloves. And then clunk, Than Brian put down a set of gloves. A box. Yeah, a box of gloves, box yeah. Of gloves. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, you have to have lube. And then clunk on the other side, they had lube all ready to go. So yeah. they had to have. Well, it was a setup. Yeah. Or you just but wonder was, what they did in the studio. Yeah. In the back. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Good point, because the lube actually wasn't uh, clinical lube. It was sex lube. Right. It was all kinds of like cherry and grape flavored lube. So anyway, <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, that was amazing to to think that far back. That yeah, it was something that we did. Travel to New York and yeah. try out a radio show. That but you remember thought. we walked out after doing that radio show and Anthony said that's the best first show I've ever heard and it was pretty triumphant. We were feeling good about ourselves. We walk out. Of that of the West Fifty Seventh Street, and we looked up, and there's the Parker Meridian. Right. And you and I both said, "So we need to talk to them about maybe getting a condo up there." Right. <laughs> Which condo should we get? <laughs> and then we did the next two years for free. Right. And then they started paying, and I kept saying, "I don't even want, you know, I don't want Opie money." I would settle for Sam Roberts' money, and in the end, I was like, well, I would settle for Riley Martin money. He was one of the whack pack guys on uh, Howard's channel that was, you know, had a show every week. Right. I think he got 400 bucks. I would have settled for that. Right. <laughs> Nothing. No. Well, yeah. a little bit of something. Yeah. A little bit of something, but, yeah, <laughs> definitely not the, uh, not, not, uh, not what's going to put us uh, in. Not the in, condo at the Parker Meridian. Exactly. Well, we had all kinds of big dreams. We had a lot well, of fun, though. Ate this, a lot of good food. This business is just <laughs> uh, like, yeah, we did. Oh, we had a great time. Oh, I yeah. Mean, please don't don't think that I'm complaining about that. It was the most fun ever. And this is still fun. Right. 
But uh, uh, the radio business has kind of gone to hell because even if you get on a, because I've been looking at maybe doing a terrestrial show with syndication and stuff like that, you're lucky if you can make thirty five grand doing that. Right. Um, so you know, it's almost like why why would we do that? I mean, yeah. I'm not poo pooing thirty five grand. Thirty five grand is thirty, but to make money, when you look at Opie and Anthony, we're making millions at one time. Yeah. You know, it is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I was approached by a, a, a gentleman that had to have been uh, seventy. Seemed to be 70, 80 years old yeah. selling ads for the local radio station around here yes. for the business I have. De- okay. Yeah. And I thought, I can't believe that he's still working selling ads. And he said he'd been with the radio station for 40 years. Yeah. And they're something. getting like 25 to 50 bucks yeah. an ad a lot of times. Right. There was one syndication deal. And, um, you know, this person that I knew that was looking into it said, well, how much are they billing out? Because it was a sharing thing where you got some of the money. And they said about 75000 It's like 75000 a month? It's not so bad. You no. could do okay. No, it was 75000 a year. Right. So it's like, and then you have to share that. And then if you have a co-host, you got to share that again. And, right. you know, it's, so it's kind of a rotten business. Got to be in TV like Matt Iceman. <laughs> right. I thought you were going to get us a TV show. Well, we had, okay, <clears throat> we were going to do this medical Mythbusters thing, yep. and we were going to do it with Bobby Kelly. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, we kind of, we got a proposal in, and we got some people looking at it, and then it was like, Bobby, I can't take 12 weeks off, you know, to make 12 grand. Mm-hmm. You know, if, I, if we're going to do this, and I'm going to put my job in jeopardy, I have to have real money. And he was like, well, then we can't do it because this is what you do is you do the first year and you eat shit. And then if it takes off, maybe you'll make some money off of it right. down the road. Right. It's like, you know, at the time, Liam was seven and Beck was six. And I just couldn't I couldn't put them in that kind of jeopardy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Now, one of the TV shows I still think would be awesome is um, the this Texas crew was looking at doing a show with my mother-in-law, and they were going to call it the 50 States of Big Joe. And they were going to take her around the country and, like, maybe take her to Mardi Gras in New Orleans and, you know, just stuff like that. And it would, it would be like insomnia. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Insomniac, whatever the... the um, Insomniac, yeah. Was it Insomniac? The show, yeah, the show with Dave. Yeah, with Dave Attell. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, except it'd be with Big Joe, and she would go and experience something. And, you know, she's just so goofy and a malaprop and just dumb. And it would have been hilarious. But she's hilarious, though. That's the damn thing. She is she's, genuinely funny. Yeah. Right. And they'd have to run subtitles because half the country wouldn't be able to understand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they would. They'd have to. And it would be. Do some well, translating. It, it, but Tacey vetoed that. They, she said, well, they're just going to make fun of her, which is true. It, the the TV people wouldn't have, but the you know the country would have made fun right. of her. Mm-hmm. And I would. she just would have had to stay off social media. Well, hell, she doesn't know how to. She doesn't know how to do it right. anyway. No, she tries to send Tacey a link, and she just types Tacey in her Facebook. <laughs> she thinks she's sending Tacey something. <laughs> oh, my. So, anyway, good old Big Joe. She's something else. She is something. 
All right. Uh, don't forget Dr. Scott's website. It's simply herbals.net. And uh, I was going to plug your business, P.A. John, but um, you're not in the beer business anymore. Nope. Neither are we. Nope. Right. <clears throat> Do you want to talk about it at all? Or um, you want to talk about transitioning from that back to going back into medicine? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, boy, oh, it was an adventure. Five years. Yeah. Of, uh, it was an awesome place. Dedicating awesome. everything you had to it. And then not ever getting a paycheck yeah you and know? let me just say something about pa john as a brewmaster you can, we give him a lot of shit about a lot of things but not about that mm-hmm. he made two maybe three of my favorite beers of all time oh wow and you know that's it, it wasn't just me no. you know but and i've drunk a lot of beer across a lot of continents and pa john's uh, he had this Henry Nitro Stout. It was a Nitro Stout. And then there was an Imperial Hop Drop right. that I got all effed up on, but it <laughs> oh, was, was so good. God, he was so Were you drunk. there that night? Hell I don't yes. even remember you being there. You were there. dancing there with yeah, me, man. Exactly. Oh, I was dancing God. with you? Oh, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, and I kissed my research assistant on the cheek and told her I loved her, but I do love her. She's like my little sister or my kid, but still, you know, not appropriate. No. And fortunately, she was totally cool with it. It wasn't, you know, a Harvey Weinstein moment. <laughs> and then... Um, and then uh, the third one was the slice when you made that orange oh, yeah. beer. That was a good one, too. Yeah. And I've had other orange beers. There's uh, Highland Beer makes a Mandarin. Right. Or, and there was another one that I had just recently. And none of them rose to the JRH, you know, orange slice and didn't even come close. Well, thank you. So I give you one of these. And I hate... For that reason, that you're not in that business anymore. Right. Now, could you be a consultant to somebody? I guess. And teach them how to make some of these things? Because I'm telling you, dude, yeah. you've got a lot of knowledge that I just hate for that to just go away. You know. Right. Well, and, you know, it all depends on uh, what somebody would want to offer. So yeah. it would... Um, I, you know, it, it's out there. Yeah. I mean, I've, okay. yeah, I've talked to somebody about well, it. If anybody's listening and you need a damn consultant for because your brews are not up to snuff call give me a shout drsteve202 at gmail.com and i'll pass it on to pa john i'm up there yeah all right, right. good all right god damn this is about as boring as okay okay all right all right okay fair enough um you want to take some questions pa john sure number one thing don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. All right. Very good. And that would be P.A. John would be that asshole, particularly since he's been out of medicine for five years. Oh, no. Give All me right. a good question. Oh, you want a good question? <laughs> okay. Let me see if we've got an ortho question in here. Oh, no. Here's I haven't a... done ortho in five years. Okay. <laughs> here's a good one for P.A. John. Hey, yo. Steve Reno. M.D. Yes, sir. I was sir. wondering about worms, pinworms. To be more specific, uh, is it true you can get them from boogers? If you're a booger eater, a you eat boogers and you can get pinworms? No. I thought, that I thought those were like ringworm or roundworm. For that matter, what are the hell is ringworm and roundworm? And how do you get worms you got from eating bad sushi? I had a cat with worms one time. That was fun. Yeah, me too. Me too. So pinworms are parasitic worms that live in the large intestine of humans, and they're usually about a half inch long. And when, the, when you sleep, the females 
not the males, but the females leave the intestinal tract and they lay their eggs in the skin around the anus and all those little folds in there. Mm-hmm. And that's how you can detect them. So you've got a kid that's just digging in their ass all the time. You wait till they're asleep and at night. And how the hell a worm that's living in a dark colon knows the difference between day and night? I don't know. Unless it's just that the kid isn't moving, you know. And uh, so then you, and you take these little paddles that have tape on them and you push it, you know, you you push it all around their anus. And then you look at them. while the kid's asleep? Yeah, while the kid's asleep. And they'll sleep through this. I've seen it. And uh, then you look at it under the microscope, and if you see the worms, then uh, then you treat them. So, um, you know, it's the pinworm is the most common worm infection in the United States. It's usually school-age children, and then preschoolers have the highest, highest rates of infection. And it's usually in schools and daycare centers and stuff like that. So they spread when an infected person, which is most often a child, has scratched their anal area and the eggs get under their fingernails and then they spread them, you know, when they don't wash their hands after using the bathroom and then they touch their playmates or their toys. Uh, it can be, uh, the eggs can be transferred to uh, uh, like nap time bedding and stuff like that. And they can be inhaled or deposited in food and swallowed. So, and then they can hatch while they're attached to the skin around the anus. Then they move through the rectum into the lower intestine. They're disgusting. I mean, they're just horrendous. So you treat it. You treat the infected person and any infected family members. There's just medication. You just give two doses and it's done. It just kills the shit out of them. Yeah. I wonder if there's been a decrease in pinworms because of the use of hand sanitizer more frequently because well, of Corona. Well, that's an interesting question. And why don't we look and see, hey, um, uh, Scott, look for the incidence of pinworm infection in 2020, 2021, and just see if that's gone down. Because influenza, the the um, infectious disease guys at our, ho- at our hotel, at our hospital, say that they ha- haven't seen any. I mean, the one infectious disease guy said he's seen two cases of influenza this year. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Were yep. they also testing for influenza yes. when anybody came in with symptoms? That's a great question because people say, well, they're not testing for it. They're only testing for COVID. No, they're they're testing for influenza, A and B, COVID, and respiratory syncytial virus. Okay. So they're, uh, in, at least in our hospital, you get all four tests when you come in. If they're going to test you for COVID, they test you for everything. Right. So if you come in with a febrile COVID-like illness, which we used to call influenza-like illness, but now it's like COVID is the thing. So uh, we've discussed this before on the show. Why influenza, if we do this social distancing and wearing the mask and washing our hands, why influenza disappeared and COVID really hasn't disappeared? We've got COVID under much better control, but it all comes down to the r naught, this number r naught, which is the uh, infection rate in an idealized population, what one person, how many people one person would infect. So for COVID-19, it's 2.4. So one person in an ideal population would infect 2.4 people. Measles, on the other hand, is 12. Okay, so it's much more infectious than COVID-19. Influenza is like 1.2, so it's half. So these measures that we're doing now are extremely effective for influenza and 
also affected for COVID-19 because we originally predicted 2 million deaths if it went unchecked because 60 million people would get it, about 3% of people would die, something like that. So you'd get about 1.8 to 2 million deaths in the United States. And uh, that didn't happen, which is good. So we've done a pretty good job, but influenza has just gone out into the toilet. Right. Which tells me we can beat its stupid ass. Right. You know? If you could just get people to wear a mask and well, use hand sanitizer. The, infection, and- the infectious disease guys say that they're not ever going back to the way that they did things before, that they will they will do universal precautions with masks and hand washing and droplet precaution on anybody now that's got a respiratory infection in the hospital. Wow. Yeah. Right, because, yeah, you should just walk in without a mask yeah. or anything. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Now that, that seems insane. Right. Right. <laughs> like going into a store without a mask on, because I am a, I'm a mask guy. Also, I uh, saw some things since I'm getting back into medicine. I've started paying more attention to those emails I used to get a lot. Yep. And a lot of them are about uh, COVID, obviously. But the ones that I really pay attention to are the ones about COVID and diabetes. Yep. And yes, one of I course. saw not too long ago. If people don't remember PA John is a type 1 diabetic. Yeah, one in five diabetics get it and die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you get it as a diabetic, one in five. And then also I saw one today about the virus itself, those that have been infected as the long haulers or long COVID. Long COVID, yes. They're saying you get it, you start to feel better, and then you really feel bad. Well, some of them are being diagnosed with diabetes. Interesting. And so this is a guy in Australia that Hmm. um, said, hey, this is something that we're starting to see. And so I have said all along that I was a kid, 1975, with a cold, had a virus, and it infected the islet cells. Yeah, or as Dr. Scott would say, islet islet cells, Mm -hmm. right? Right. That is correct. Because I like to lay out on the Island. <laughs> yeah, Island. Right. Chilling on get the Island. Get my Suntan. <laughs> <laughs> Isla Morada. <laughs> so uh, that is one of the hypotheses right. of type 1 diabetes, that some viral infection triggers the immune system. And there's some protein on those viruses that triggers either antibody or a cellular response that also attacks the islet cells in the pancreas because, oh, God, this looks like viral proteins, too. Which makes me super damn excited about this mRNA messenger stuff that they could possibly be able to alter your body to say, hey, you know what? That islet cell is normal. Yeah. Don't Mm -hmm. attack it. Quit picking on it. Exactly. That would be cool. Yeah. Now, what, what they won't do is rewrite your dna to make you more islet cells though right right yeah. i have to be producing them but I, I, yeah, know, yeah yeah you wonder if the body is producing them that's a good question they just keep getting time, killed yep. like, like whack-a-mole there it is don't I you would it. think if that were true that people who are on anti-rejection drugs would who were type 1 diabetics would spontaneously resolve and they we're not seeing that so uh, I think what you what you will end up needing is if you can stop the body from killing your islet cells, then we just do an islet cell transplant or a stem cell transplant with right. stem cells that can differentiate into islet cells, right. and then you're cured. Right. right. You know, I, it, that cure is always right around the corner. They, we've been talking about this for years, that it's just, ooh, we're right there. And you know they're working on it. Right. But um, Or are they? 
Yeah, they are. Conspiracy theory. They, <laughs> you can go to clinicaltrials.gov, and there's tons of trials on this kind of stuff. But I remember you, you when I was— gov? I, well, clinical trials, I do. It's, it's <laughs> shit. Idiot. All right, but there are um, lots of trials going on. And yeah, but I have that. People say, "Oh, I'm not going to PubMed because it's .gov, and I don't trust the government." It's like, right. no, it's just a .gov <laughs> site. <laughs> you know, there's .edu, .gov, .com, and you know, whatever, and .org. It should be a .dumbass is what there should. Be. There's yeah. also a .beer, I think. <laughs> yeah, now there's yeah. .info, and so but nobody uses any of those. It's still, you know, we all right. want to use the the original ones. But it's, yeah, it's not the government necessarily. They're putting up the money for it, so they get to put the .gov on there. Right. But it's just a free exchange of peer-reviewed articles. <laughs> it's just, God damn. Where else are you going to get that stuff? That you won't get from Parler and what they Twitter should do and stuff. Is they should build a building and have all that information in there. You can go get it yourself. Ooh, sort of like a Library of Congress. Oh no, that's government too. <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! Mm-hmm. Just can't get away from it. Can't get away. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right. Um, yeah, I had, okay, here, here's a good question about quarantining. Hey, Dr. Steve, this is Chris um, calling you from quarantine or I guess more specifically isolation as I am corona positive. Okay. Um, he brings up a good point, a good point. If you're corona positive, you're isolating. If you've been exposed to corona and you may come down with it, then you're quarantining. All right, very good. You're this out because I got the Pfizer vaccine about two and a half weeks ago. Oh. So my symptoms are pretty mild, but I, I like I mentioned, I am positive. Yeah. Um, my question for you, and I can't seem to find the answer anyplace else, is what are the risks of getting the second vaccine after I get through this and I'm able to to leave uh, my quarantine? Gotcha. Um, looking forward to hearing your... Yeah, no, it's a great question. And uh, the CDC recommends that even if you've had COVID-19, it doesn't, and they don't specify when, uh, 
it, not before you got vaccinated or after any of or in between that you complete your your vaccine um, trial. And they they feel that you will have increased adverse reaction. So you may feel crummy because you've already got an immune response and you're going to really generate a heavy one. Mm -hmm. But they feel that you'll have improved uh, protection down the road if you do that. Now, uh, there are people that are concerned about this um, uh, this virus or this vaccine. And there's a thing called immune amplification. Have you heard about this? No. Uh, I mean, I had the I had the thing up here and then I lost it. Uh, The reason why I'm so goofy um, is because I had my epidural yesterday for my back, which was fantastic, by the way. Uh, My back pain is completely gone. I'm walking normally. I'm not crawling up the stairs anymore. But uh, it has jazzed me up to the point where I got like an hour and a half, maybe two hours of sleep last night, and I was just wide awake. Woke up with a raging heart on, and Tacey should be glad that she was out of town. <laughs> but to uh, you know, relieve yourself at 6.30 in the morning, I never do that. That's crazy. <laughs> but this thing, I, I don't know if it was the release of endorphins uh, or the decrease in tone and endorphins that were trying to fight off this pain, or if it was just the steroids themselves injected right into my spine where that spinal reflex lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what it was, but I've never experienced anything like that. But I also had a lot of uh, reflux, or not, well, pyrosis, just uh, gastritis pain. And uh, anyway, so I'm working on an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And you didn't sleep the night before because your back hurt so bad. And then my back hurt so bad, so it's really two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, there are, uh, God dang it. Okay, I'm going to um, have to, uh, let's answer a different question. I'll look for this because it is a real concern. There were When they were doing coronaviruses uh, for cats, and then the cats were exposed to a different coronavirus. Some of them got so sick that they died. Ooh. And here we go. I found the article. So this is from The Scientist. It says, COVID-19 vaccine researchers are mindful of immune enhancement. And the good news is there's no evidence that any of the coronavirus vaccines in development worsen the coronavirus infection rather than confer immunity to it. The phenomenon is something that scientists are closely monitoring. So there have been... Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll read you what can happen in theory, and then we'll show why we think that it's not a problem with this. Um, so most people can contract this thing called dengue virus. It's a mosquito-borne RNA virus like COVID-19. They experience mild symptoms or none at all. In some cases, it can cause a severe illness known as hemorrhagic fever with bleeding, abnormal blood clotting, and leaky blood vessels that can sometimes lead to a precipitous drop in blood pressure and circulatory collapse. Curiously, in the 1960s, U.S. Army scientists in Thailand noticed that this life-threatening version occurred most frequently in two populations, either first-time infected babies born to mothers who were immune, so in other words, the kids had the antibody, Mm Uh, and children who had once experienced a mild or asymptomatic infection that later contracted the virus a second time. And so this scary scenario began to crystallize. A second infection was sometimes worse than the first instead of being the other way around. 
And a series of studies in cells, animals, and people eventually gave rise to a possible explanation that antibodies created during the first time infection could, under very specific circumstances, end up enhancing the disease rather than protecting against subsequent infections. Research called, called this antibody-dependent enhancement, or ADE. So this is poorly understood, but they did see it in coronavirus vaccines made for cats, which is... So people were like, hey, maybe this could happen here. Well, the good news is that there we've vaccinated millions and millions of people, and there have been thousands of people who have been infected or reinfected, and this has not happened. The, most of the people who have been reinfected had very mild syndromes, and you know some of them probably were infected with other coronaviruses as well because that was the concern. Well, what if one of the other five circulating coronaviruses that happens with that, and then ten years from or you know five years from now we have everybody uh, keeling over that had the vaccine? Right. And that's what people were worried about. We are not seeing any of that in people who have been infected with other viruses or with this same virus. So that's the good news. And uh, not a single case is of anything like this um, has been uh, has come to light since we've been vaccinating people. Now, it still is early days. Yeah. You know, so if you don't want to take the vaccine, a lot of people haven't taken it. But in the age group over 65, it's about 75 percent of people have gotten the vaccine now, which is great. And we're seeing numbers dropping. We had a little blip there for a couple of days, but then they continued to, to drop again. So the people who are at really high risk should definitely get the vaccine. And then other people, you know, I'm thinking about whether we should vaccinate our kids. Uh, I, I haven't decided yet. I think that it, uh, um, it looks pretty safe. Um, but, you know, do I need to vaccinate my kids if they're not at risk? I don't know. I don't know. Let me ask you this. The thing is, is that if they get the virus, then they could, they'll still have the same problem. So it's really not adding a problem by vaccinating. Right. You know, so if, this, if this phenomenon is there, it's going to happen if they get infected or if they get vaccinated. Yeah, go what, ahead. What's the age of your uh, kids one more time? 17 and 16. 17 and 16. Yeah, so they're in a so very low risk group. One at 18 makes his own decisions. Yep. You, you know, what's the difference in that one year? Yeah. And then the other one. Well, that's right. true. Anyway, it's like, well, I can't drink if I'm 20, 20 years and 364 days. But then on that 365th days, I can just go buy, right. you know, a case of liquor and guzzle it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's rules, so, man. Yeah, you got to have government a, again. That's right. You got to draw the line somewhere. Well, there are some people should never drink, and then some people probably would be okay to drink when they're 35, and there are other people who could drink when they're 18 and be fine. Right. And we just don't have a mechanism to. I was. I know, me too. I was legal to drink in Chapel Hill when I went to uh, University of North Carolina. Um, When we were 18, they had all these beer bars, and they were always full of all these 18 year olds. Yeah, no, I wasn't. Then they changed the law. Boy, oh, was it fun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So the one explanation for why some of the early cat coronavirus vaccines caused ADE weren't using the right vaccine targets or the targets weren't specific enough. This could have produced antibodies that targeted parts of the virus without blocking the specific site on the spike protein, which it used to infect cells. So that makes sense. 
that you could actually enhance a virus if you were targeting the wrong part of the virus because mm-hmm. you'd be you could maybe even carry it to the cells mm-hmm. and then so we are absolutely targeting the spike protein with these mrna vaccines and so we should be good on that right if that hypothesis is correct so there you go and interesting uh, I'm, you know, I, we got to be open-minded about this stuff and be honest about it. There are things that we don't know, and we're in early days, but we got to do something about this effing virus. And uh, PA John, you haven't been here and you haven't been listening, I'm sure, but I, I, I want them to declare war on all human patho- pathologic viruses. I don't see any benefit to them. Right. And I've had people, well, I've had biologists say, oh, no, viruses are good. And it's like, yeah, but not the human pathologic viruses. Is smallpox good? Right, 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 right. Yeah, and then there's also Measles. a thing called population control. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. <laughs> I mean, eventually, how many is too many? Do we need diseases to kill people? Or can we just, if we can we start teaching people to maybe limit how many kids they have? Well, now, that, I worked at a my ex-wife worked at a population center and their big problem was you go to a third world country. Heck, you know, when you have a bun, you have a high infant mortality, you got to have a lot of kids plus you need ready labor that you don't have to pay and the only time you can do that is either you take somebody against their will and make it do it or you have kids and they you send them out to work the farm, you don't have to pay them. Right. So, you know, as countries become more prosperous, they tend to have fewer children, so our goal needs to be to you know raise the boat and have everybody be prosperous as much as we can. Right. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say about? No, well, I, I just don't think ahead, I, ahead, I, ahead, I don't think going well. You know, there's too many people on the earth, so just let these viruses COVID, do stuff. COVID, get them. No, well, no, no, I, I know. <laughs> kind of a natural ability if you are able to get a vaccine. Yeah, go for it. If you're not. You got to try to get it. Well, how did we get rid of smallpox? We vaccinated people because there were no asymptomatic carriers. That was the thing. You either had smallpox or you didn't. So when you found somebody, you just vaccinate everybody around them until you and, and you were creating a firewall. Right. And the vac and the stupid virus. That was the other thing was that the vaccine worked very quickly. So hey, come on in. Come on. I'm um about I don't know twenty minutes. Why? You can come in. Come sit. We were talking about you yesterday. We played the Eastside Day versus Liam on the show last night or last week. Yeah. You want to come in? No, I'm good. Okay. All right. Liam, everybody. Yay. He's very articulate. What? I just got home from playing You what? I just got home from playing Oh, you did? Okay. Well, come in and no. Okay. He just came in from playing tennis. Well, what did you need? What did you need? It's fine. You can just derail the whole show. It's a, just a, you know. I got $5 says he's hungry. Oh, yeah. John? But mom came up here and wanted me to ask you how long Okay. That's what it is. We've got 20 minutes and then we'll be done. Okay. okay thanks, buddy. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I was going to tell John that I was reading on the Google News the other day that it looks like they're hypothesizing that the world's population is going to continue to shrink because of the shrinking size of penises. Really? Yeah, and, and shrinking I, size of penis. Well, this now this mine is now this is I saw this on the internet, so it has to be true. And it wasn't on the government website either, right? So we know what happens. The to older be. I get, the bigger and meatier mine gets. I 
think that's called um the more <clears> i <throat> shave the hair around mine the better it that's works. what it is isn't it yeah that's what it is i started <laughs> grooming down there yeah it's, it's a human penis is shrinking due to pollution so it looks like what there's some phthalates that evidently are, are affecting the uh, growth of Oh, the, so the phthalates are affecting the phthalates? Evidently, no. I'm just <laughs> so I'm just that you can't you what get phthalated. So yeah, <clears throat> unless you have a a flatus flute, of course. It's true. It's Go to flatusflute.com and you can get a your whistling butt plug from Dantec, and we have nothing to do with them, but it is, it's got my visage on it. Yes, but we I don't get a penny for it, but <laughs> it is hilarious. Yes, it is. But so so we may not have to worry about people dying from viruses. Just really short penises so not, not, not is, being able to bury so, it so this is true that's what i'm reading on the internet it has to i want to see the google so small, the baby small <laughs> penis equals laughed at by the girl so not having sex is or that? maybe just not you know able to deposit these no sperm. you can deposit sperm in the same room and a lot of times it'll work its way in there. as a matter of fact i've got uh <laughs> i've got, got a i've got a i got a sister-in-law <laughs> Yeah. And a sister-in-law that had a baby yeah. without the penis altogether. So right. I'm pretty mm-hmm. certain mm-hmm. We that debunks out. that yep. just whole story. Well, they used a turkey baster, right? Pretty much. It's way bigger than a penis. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say most of them are, I guess. But you don't yeah. need a large penis to impregnate somebody. You need to be able to get it into the introitus. In other words, just inside. Just inside. And you need to be just able to ejaculate, though. So now if that is a, if the small penis is actually a marker for other things, other signs of infertility, Infertil- now that right. may be right. something. So that mean that maybe they don't have enough, uh, as many sperm, and they may be proud of it, too. I want to see this research. I'll look at no, I'll look at it yeah. for next time. We, okay. won't, we won't get it done this time, but we'll do it next time. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Let's see. Somebody made a plug. Someone well, says, I've got a question for you. One of these rare ones that I don't see if you can throw a plug out for me. Oh, this is uh, Stacy Deloach, everyone. Stacy Deloach, going to uh, do a, a plug for us. Last night. God forbid that I don't say that I know who that is when he comes in here or his little his friend will uh, email me and say, I can't stand it when he's on there. He pretends that you don't know who he is. So, anyway. It's for a real good friend of mine. They've got started up a little mission work over in Africa. I did not pick the website, but it is the underscore Esther underscore project underscore shop. And what it is is they go over to Kenya, Africa. They've partnered up with several local artisans. They buy their artwork, uh, pocketbooks, beads, That's beaded not stuff, right. things like that, bring it back, and they sell it off the website. They are a 501c3, and 100% of the proceeds goes back to the little school over there in this village near Kenya. Okay, he's com- and- he completely got the the url wrong was it he is close he was close it's just the estherprojectshop.com and there's no underscores in there <laughs> i'm looking at it now because i when i first put it in um i had to uh i, I got nothing now they also have a facebook too you can go to the esther project shop on facebook so let's look and see what they've got handmade gifts pretty cool yeah oh no it's it's cool stuff 
you know, beaded earrings and things like that, and they're paying fair prices, which is appropriate. And uh, yeah, good for them. Okay, yeah, we should we could we should it support helps this. Girls yeah. learn about hygiene issues and how to watch out for human trafficking and yeah. skills to avoid getting trapped up in human trafficking. Yeah, and how yeah, and how to run a business and all that Esther, stuff too. So I mean, sorry, yeah. the underscore Esther. no no stop it that's not right it's just the estherprojectshop.com and just google it but yeah we should all uh support this one that's good okay stacy you get a pass for that one i put that down as some shitty plug but it wasn't a shitty plug after all <laughs> all right hey dr steve it's jethro from pa calling again i got my first vaccine today it was moderna I was pondering, what if I were to get a second vaccine now mm. in the Pfizer? What would happen? Would I spontaneously combust? <laughs> would I have two microchips from Bill Gates inside me? No, <laughs> but seriously, what happens from a physiological and biological perspective? Just- yeah, um, that's a very interesting question. So there is a trial in the in the UK that's been launched to see if giving people different COVID vaccines for their first and second doses works as well. And they're working on it now. Uh, official guidance from the Joint Committee on Vaccination in the UK says anyone already given the Pfizer or Oxford as part of the UK's approval immunization program should get the same vaccine for both doses. And there, right now, there's no suggestion that this will change, but they are studying it, and then we should know. Now, both the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines basically are coding for the same pro- protein. Uh, I would not recommend that you do that because we don't know for sure um, if there are subtle differences in those. So you should, if you get one vaccine, you should get the other one. But uh, we'll know in the next few months whether mixing the vaccines is worth anything. And there may be some people that will get two Pfizer vaccines and then get AstraZeneca after that and then Johnson & Johnson. Who knows? Yeah, that's what, what I was you find? Well, Well, uh, there's a uh, study up at, uh, I don't know about a study, but... Uh, News out of Virginia Tech and UVA virologists, they've actually paired up uh, and they actually have created a new vaccine that is going to be extremely easy to reproduce and ex- much, much cheaper um, than the ones that are already being produced. Huh. The new vaccine platform utilizes a genome-reduced bacteria to express the coronavirus vaccine antigen on its surface. Mm. Such a vaccine platform could be manufactured with low-cost and existing facilities around the world, sure. which could meet the pandemic. Because they're growing the bacteria. Here's the problem with those kinds of vaccines is they're <clears throat> growing bacteria in a medium, and then you have to clear out the medium. You have to purify this thing. Right. The one thing about the mRNA is you just make it in a vat, and there's no eggs. You're not growing anything. You're actually building it from raw materials. And you can make gallons of this stuff, and there's you don't have to purify it much any beyond that, except to just get the solvents out of it. Yeah. With this, you got to get a lot of organic material out of it. Well, there. it says the new vaccine production platform involves synthesizing DNA that directs the production of a piece right. of the virus. But then you got to put it in the bacterium, and then the bacterium uh, decodes the DNA and then makes the protein for you. So all of these things are you're getting. Yeah, within about yeah, yeah, yeah. So with the mRNA vaccines, you're giving those in there. The mRNA is going into your cells, and then your cells actually make the protein, and it sort of hijacks the 
that sells them. People say, well, you're, you're messing with your genome. You're not. mRNA never enters the genome. It is simply a set of instructions that tell the ribosomes, which are little manufacturing machines in the cells, what proteins to make. That's right. it. And then they they degrade. mRNA doesn't last forever. It just degrades and goes back into its regular nucleotides and then gets made into other messenger RNA when that DNA needs to be uh, transcribed in the cell. Mm. But that's interesting. So the, the point of that, P.A. John, is that they can make that in a traditional uh, you know, factory that is used to already uh, doing, doing cultures. Right. Right. So, yeah, cool. That's cool. Now, I think the biggest thing right now is, you know, I, I made several predictions about COVID-19 and my model for how many infections we would have was pretty close to being the real, close to being the real model. Um, and my prediction of when we would have a vaccine, and it wasn't any rocket science. I just looked at the phases of these vaccines, you know, when phase one was going to be done, phase two, phase three, and then give them a month to synthesize the data and um, or crunch the data and then come out and get FDA approval. I said October. That ended up being, you know, November right after the election. So, you know, what was their politics involved? I don't know. But it, I was about a month off on that. But where I was really wrong, and I'm still pissed about this, is saying favipiravir, if it proved to be effective, would be out in June or July. And I, but still, it's nowhere to be found. Favipiravir is an antiviral medication that you could take at the onset of symptoms and, it, and not go to the hospital and not die. And if we have that, like we have Tamiflu, except this works better than Tamiflu, this thing is over. We can go back to going to concerts. We can do anything we damn well please. Mm -hmm. Because if you get it, you just go and take a pill. And you still develop immunity to it. Well, I just found that Molnupiravir, it's an experimental antiviral drug that uh, Merck is working on. And now, of course, Bloomberg and all these, even though Favipiravir has been around since the beginning of this, they're saying, well, this one could change the fight against COVID because herd immunity is great, but you still get people getting sick and still get people going to the hospital and still have people dying. Right. But to have a um, an intervention that is a pill that you just go to your doctor, get a prescription, go to the pharmacy and pick it up and then isolate yourself for seven days while you're taking this and you don't go to the hospital and you don't die, that changes everything. Right. Then we're back to normal the next day. The second that we can show that this is uh, effective enough and the pharmacies have it, it's done. We're, right. we're, we're back to normal. Vaccine or no. So I've always been of the mind that a an outpatient therapeutic is almost more important than a vaccine. We, we need a vaccine, right. too. But it's... Uh, <clears throat> That's the thing that's going to make everything go back to normal because we've had the vaccine now for a while and we ain't back to normal yet. Right. You know? Yeah, but certainly better. Oh, oh so God. much better. Yeah, thank God. So, yeah, yeah. I, I got a phone call a few weeks ago and said, hey, we have an, an extra one if you want to come get it. So I drove uh, yeah. two and a half hours to get it. Tacey did that. Yeah. Here it is. All yep. right. And now they've opened it up to everybody. She could have gotten it anyway, but she's completed her series. One so. day later, I got a phone call from a family doctor and said, hey, we have it now. And I thought, <laughs> what the? <laughs> yeah. I drove out of state to get it. Wow. 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 Hmm. Okay. 
Well, okay, let's do some other ones here. Oh, this might be uh, a good one for you guys. Let's see. Hey, Dr. Steve. Um, I just got my first Moderna COVID vaccine. Good job. And the guy shot it into my upper tricep. Is that a problem? And uh, the second question is, when I go back for the second uh, vaccine, should I request they shoot it into my deltoid instead? Yeah, or your gluteus. But uh, you but the the tricep just below the deltoid, mm-hmm. right, P.A. John? I mean, yeah. you know, it's just the right back there. Back of the arm so, versus, yeah. versus the back of it, side versus of, the side of, side of the yeah, arm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I am as I am. Yeah. yeah. And they're both intramuscular. Sure. I don't see that that's a big problem. No. no. Uh, what the reason that we pick certain places, like when you do that specific quadrant in the ass, is because there's no blood vessels and no nerves there. Right. Much less. Yeah. Much less. Or much less. Right, well, right. Yeah, much less sensory neural. But you're not going to you're not going to be injecting into a vein or an artery, <clears throat> and you're not going to hit a nerve that's then going to cause pain to go shooting down their leg and stuff right. like that. Right. So that's why we pick that part of the ass to do, and it's a nice big thick muscle too. And then uh, same with the, with the convenience and access. I mean, it's just yeah. kind of easy to get that sure. arm. Yeah, it's all kinds of good yeah. things. Better than doing your upper quad having to drop your pants. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Roll through and mass vaccination. Everybody's pants down. Pants down. Yeah, <laughs> I can see how that would not go yeah, well. No, I don't think it'd be great. Yeah. So the triceps, it's that's fine. Yeah. Sure. And uh, yeah, you can say, "Can you please put this in my deltoid?" And they'll either do it or they won't. Or they'll look at you and say, "Deltoid." Yeah. Yeah. What's the deltoid? <laughs> oh, you mean your shoulder muscle? <laughs> there you go. Is that back there by your by your wing bone? But that's yeah. <laughs> your wing bone. All right. Um, I don't know what this one is. Let's see. Hey, Dr. Steve. Hey. Just hanging out at the Sessions Hotel in Bristol, Virginia, slash Tennessee. Nice. On Valentine's Day morning. Not to my wife. But I just took a leak, and despite drinking so much water yesterday and having clean urine, the bowl is filled with highly concentrated tea. It's really yellow and really stinky yeah why is that doctor hope you got to knock one into tennessee today Have a great day. <laughs> oh, shit. no she wasn't here <laughs> she wouldn't have been happy with that scenario this morning um pa john you want to take this one because you have to uh look at apparently he must have uh drank a little bit more than the night before i couldn't understand the question so okay, he drank the question a lot is, of water no he was thinking that it should have been clear but it was uh, yellow yeah, and it's just variations in urine density yeah your body uh knows how much fluid it needs and it will pee out what it doesn't need and even you know if you're starving of course it will continue to pee out stuff because it's still having to clear toxins actual toxins <laughs> uh and uh, waste products so um you know, but yeah, just because you're fully hydrated doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be peeing out clear, clear right. fluid. And, and first thing you, in the morning, you're going to have thicker urine anyway. Yeah, yeah. And just because you drink a whole lot of water on one day doesn't mean it'll pee clear. Right? That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right.
So let your body just deal with that. Now, if it's always brown, that could be a problem. Get your liver checked. Anyway, maybe you're drinking a little bit too much. Anyway, thanks. Always go to Dr. Scott. And uh, really appreciate P.A. John being here. That was awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah. Hopefully you can come back again. We're going to be changing things up a little bit now that COVID is calming down. During COVID, I kind of hated to... uh, do two different shows we were doing shows that were substantially the same for uh sirius xm and for the podcast and uh, now we're going to go back to our regular thing where we're doing a separate sirius xm show that's a little more serious and then the more goofy podcast uh that we will be recording you know three of those on a saturday so if you want to come to those we'd love to have you excellent we can't forget rob sprantz bob kelly greg hughes anthony cumia uh, Jim Norton, the uh, uh, Paul Ofcharsky, Travis Teft, that Gould girl, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, I already said them tonight, Shouty1008, Eric Nagel, the Port Charlotte whore, Roland Campos, sister of Chris, Sam Roberts, she who owns pigs and snakes. Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, Dale Dudley, Holly from the Gulf, the great and fantastic and immortal, I believe he's immortal, Rob Bartlett, Casey's Wet T-Shirt, Carl's Deviated Septum, Patty Seacups, also known as Patty Smashhead or something like that, uh, Bernie and Sid, Martha from Arkansas's Daughter, Ron Bennington and Fez Watley, who supported this show, has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, Sirius XM channel 103, Saturdays at 6 or 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 or 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand, really the best way to listen to it, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Kiss my ass.